The following program is intended for mature audiences. A bad review is like baking a cake with all the best ingredients and having someone sit on it. Danielle Steele. I'm T.C. Petty III, and this is Deep Design with T.C. Petty III. Criticism. Deal with it. Viva Java felt like a 30-minute party game that took two hours to play. Second issue I have is the rule book. Well, this instruction manual does make the intimidation factor quite high. It's just missing a few bits. Um, it's not very clear. I really don't find this to be all that intriguing with three players. It works, but I don't find it to be great. Not sure this works well with every number of players. This one might not have anything different enough to make you move and jump to this one as well. Does it make me think of coffee? Well, not at all, actually. I found this mechanic unintuitive and difficult to grok. The reviews are in. Tell TC Petty you're not going to settle for third place. This message was paid for by random people who dislike TC Petty. Now that your cardboard baby has reached adulthood, its balls have dropped, its bosom has blossomed, and it's carefully wrapped in fresh cellophane from China... It's time to unleash your horrible creation on the unsuspecting populace. It's time for your game's official release. And for some reason, you think to yourself this time, this game will be the one. It is, in fact, the perfect game. The The best best game game ever ever made. made. But never will be. Because for the first time again, you are going to be subjected to positive, negative, and neutral dismissive opinions from an audience that you cannot control. And these pedophilic Neanderthals have nothing better to do with their lives than lust over the cult of the new and consume your product and then move on to their next precious new target. If you haven't been beaten down, wounded, stripped of pride, and sick of playing your game by this point, well, it's about to get a little rough. Back when you could do something about it, criticism felt only mildly soul-crushing. I mean, it'd probably be better if you could just make a game and not be able to find anything wrong with it, but at least at that point you could improve the game. Now that you can't, it doesn't. Criticism feels annoying. I already went through all this shit, why am I going through it again? Some people say, well, I don't read reviews. I make games for the pleasure of making them. If people hate them, I don't care. Well, fuck you then, you're great. You're an amazing person, what can I say? But if you're like any real person, you're going to have an emotional reaction to a review of your game, or a rating of your game, or comments on the internet by anonymous individuals about your game. And I don't think you should control that. It sucks sometimes, but it's cool to care. Millennials enjoy being genuine over sarcastic, get your head out of the 90s and give a fuck. So you might not be able to control your emotions, but you can control your emotional outbursts in public and temper your reaction to your game's reception. Here are some steps to reacting professionally in the face of criticism. Responding to negative reviews and ratings. In the internet age, this is going to be one of the hardest challenges for connected designers. Best advice, say thank you. Be friendly. Just bottle up your emotions inside, and when you feel like you want to cry, just push them further down forever into that dark place in your soul and take them with you to your grave. Christopher Bedell from Greater Than Games always gives more positive reinforcement. He says that you shouldn't care about negative reviews. Only care about reviews that someone, anyone is talking about or giving your game free advertisement. That's the most important part. Any press is good press, and honestly, that is great advice. Plan to get criticized. Cross your fingers that your game receives enough eyes on it that any of this even happens. To get dismissed or destroyed is terrible, but to never even have the opportunity to be dismissed? That lack of visibility can be the worst shock. 
Your game might hit the market as hard as a slug on a railroad track hits a freight train. Ping. Softly. I say all this, but you're not going to be able to do it every time. Just try your best. Because what happens when you ignore this advice and contact everyone? For this segment, I'd like to introduce you to my favorite real-life straw man designer that can't keep his or her mouth shut, David Ausloos. I owe a major debt to David for confirming my resolve to never contact anyone ever about their rating of my game, and to never respond to a review with justifications as to why the reviewer may or may not have been playing the game incorrectly, or should give it another chance. I've held on to an email message David sent me in 2012. Whenever I feel the need to respond to a negative review, rating, or comment, I read this email to myself. It is an email in response to my generous rating of 4 for the game Panic Station, which I have subsequently lowered to a 3. I'm not going to read it word for word. In the email, David attempts to tell me his position. He admits that there are some perceived weaknesses in the game system, but explains that there are many board games that can be broken. He explains that he has playtested it over 80 times, and that in his experience, it rarely falls flat with players. And he implores me to try his game again, as he is very satisfied with it, and admits that it can be a difficult first play. The problem is, I wasn't the only one he responded to, and this was a rating, not a review. This is a very common occurrence, apparently, in so much that receiving a defensive message from David is expected and kind of a meme. And from the comments, it never goes over well. Here's my advice for David. Shut up. Shut the fuck up. Just shut up. You're only making it worse by responding to anyone. STFU. Shut the fuck up. I never responded to his email, though I really wanted to. It really pissed me off. I, I know ratings are public, but it felt creepy, like he was invading my personal space. I don't... I, just don't do it. Make good games and let your games convince people. Don't try to convince them. The current ratings and amount of ratings on all his games on BoardGameGeek tell the story, and there are a handful of designers like him. Don't be one. In other words, suck it up and respond to reviews and ratings with monotone professional swagger. Practice one simple key phrase. Repeat it to yourself 20 times per day in the mirror. Thanks for the review. Thanks for the review. Thanks for the review. Thanks for the... And if you really can't stop yourself, just use passive-aggressive techniques. Start your own game design podcast and make fun of people vaguely, or in a direct manner that they'll probably never hear. For example, Agent Anderson on Board Game Geek is an asshole. That was easy. What's the difference between T.Z. Petty III, Vladimir Putin, Adolf Hitler, and Fidel Castro? Absolutely nothing. Of course Fuhrer Petty says he's a modern game designer. But what's the point in offering choice when every choice is a bad one? Like buying one of his games. Did you know? In 2014, Fever Job of the Coffee Game, the dice game, shipped with a rule book so small it was barely readable by human eyes. It was probably written for aliens. Illegal aliens. T.C. Petty wants Mexicans to take your health care. Liberal much? This hippie designer has long hair, and that makes him a girl. Ew, girls. Also, he voted for Obama. How much white guilt do you have, T.C.? Check your privilege. Also, positive player interaction blows. Let's shut the door on this lame chapter in history. This holiday, spend your money on the people's choice. Buy a Steffenfeld game before it's too late. This message paid for by People for Point Salad. Be prepared to be unprepared. Gird your guts for the impending swath of bile because you're going to get blindsided. When your game is released, something will be wrong and you'll have no control over it. You'll think you're prepared. You'll sit there nervously biting your nails over that one ambiguous line in the solo rules or underperforming in the bedroom more than usual because of that misprinted mitochondria tile that should have a shield on it. Then, when the game releases, someone posts a picture of the back of the box and right there is a big old penis. 
Yep, somehow you didn't notice that your graphic design looks exactly like a flippity-floppity donkey dick. With two text bubble balls, a shaft of gameplay examples, and an angry red helmet proclaiming a special solo mode inside, which only makes it more funny and now everyone is laughing and some bullshit religious types are actually calling it lewd and unprofessional. It's mentioned in every review forever. That's right, your game, The Penis Game. So that's a nightmare scenario, but honestly, it may not be a wrinkly member on your box lid or something equally outrageous that you happen to miss while proofing. It may be that a crucial card is missing an entire sentence, or that a certain component has a coin symbol, not a victory point symbol. Or maybe a rule was changed by the publisher right before publication. Whatever it is, something will go wrong. Plan to be surprised and avoid reacting defensively or reflexively. Pause. Answer questions, offer strategic advice, don't be defensive, be proactive. That's a lot of bullet points, but the best and most appropriate thing you can do is make yourself available. Your publisher might not advertise very much at all. You might be asked to demo at game conventions, and the forum page on BoardGameGeek will suddenly become inundated with boring rules questions. There are many designers that take a hands-off approach, and it does work if you're willing to make face-to-face connections in real life. But as BoardGameGeek becomes more prevalent as a form of advertisement, this hands-off approach is becoming less and less viable, especially for first-time designers. Be there to help. Creating an FAQ for your game and posting it can be a nice proactive move to show the community you care. We live in an electronic world. You can choose to ignore it, but if you'd like to continue making games, being an active participant is a good thing. Dismissal. Dismissal. Most people steal themselves for the inevitable fact that someone will dislike their game. It happens, and it seems reasonable, and most people are somewhat reasonable, but what can hurt even more than any blatantly or humorously negative comments is no comment at all, or maybe the briefest of comments. It was okay. People are going to like your game, hate your game, and think it's fine for what it is. That one. That last one is going to get you, so don't let it. It's like a swing voter, a dangling thread, a cliffhanger. You're going to want to convert them. They just haven't played it right. They, they could love my game. They could love me. Still. Stop. Take a deep breath. Do not comment. Do not send them an email asking for feedback. Do not dwell on it. Move on. And finally, let me say this next one very clearly. No one will ever play your game right. So get used to it. You might have the best possible rule set, the most engaging and succinct rules video ever created, and an electric shock device included in every box that zaps a player when they make a move that's against the rules, but it won't work. And even if they play every rule correctly, it's entirely possible that they won't play in the spirit of those rules and make terrible, ugly human decisions and completely make the game unfun. No one will ever play your game right. Accept this as fact and move on. It's okay to answer rules questions, but don't waste your time trying to correct every single rules violation you encounter. But you don't have to take my word for it, even though you should. Let's take a moment and see what you think on a new segment I like to call The Tweet Beat. So I asked published designers on Twitter to impart their collective wisdom on the subject of navigating critical reception of their games. And for some reason, lots of people who aren't published designers also answered, because apparently they don't know how to follow simple instructions. Nevertheless, here are some good responses. Should a game designer publicly respond to a negative review? Or privately? Reviewer Chris Rowland says, In my opinion, only if the response is a thank you for taking the time to review my game type of response, which is what I've been saying the entire time. Daniel Solis, designer of Kodama, says, what's the goal? You're not going to change their mind, which is pretty much what everybody on Twitter was saying. So why talk privately and publicly? You might just come across as an ass. 
Author Tracy Canfield says, In general, I'd say no creator should respond publicly to a negative review. I can't think of a time it's gone well. And thanks, Tracy, for implicitly agreeing that games are an art form as well. Seth Jaffe, designer of Eminent Domain, says, Never privately. Publicly responding in a non-defensive way, or else not responding at all, is the way to go. And Kevin Wilson, from Arkham Horror fame, says, No, never. Though it's okay to correct factual errors. Eh. Nat Levan, of New Bedford fame, says, Write down why it bothers you, and use that to change how you work in the future, or to convince yourself that that person is nuts. Don't respond or act on it right away. Give it time so you're not reacting from an emotional place. Like I've been saying, be stoic. Bored with life, the entire show, I guess, says, Not the same situation, but we mostly just talk a lot of shit in an email thread. We seriously just keep an ongoing thread of, Look at this asshole. Matt Wolf, designer of Wombat Rescue, says, I think you should point out factual errors and explain your design reasoning for the things the reviewer had an issue with. And I disagree with the second part of that sentence, but if you really do feel the need, be succinct and respectful. What was the lowest or harshest moment you've ever had from a psychological standpoint after your game creation was criticized? Nat LeVan says, someone told me, like the designer, but this game was a miss. If you're saying that, I haven't done my job well enough. And like he's saying, your game should stand alone. Seth Jaffe says, Worst for me was, it doesn't excite me. From a publisher whose line I thought it might fit well in. Not at all, nothing, that's it. And I asked the same question, that's it? Someone didn't like your game that much, Seth. That's the lowest you've ever been. That's cute. Logan Bonner says, I worked on 4th edition Dungeons & Dragons, so that's a hard question to narrow down. Don't worry, Logan. I too would like to give you a hearty middle finger for your efforts as well. Gilhova, designer of the network, says, I was a writing major in college and joined a writing magazine. Sophomore year, a senior returned from a year abroad. The senior was highly esteemed. We all started reviewing submissions, and I saw her pick up my submission from a pile. She read the first page, then second page, skimmed third page, jumped to the end, and I watched her write her judgment. Pathetic. Don't know why I kept writing, but I did. Got better after that. Taught me that criticism of my work isn't criticism of me. And John Dubois who I know is the designer of Odd Socks, but he probably designed something else. This is an interesting mechanism in need of a game. I shelved the design and haven't gone back to it. Did other stuff instead. So thanks to John for ending this on a downer. And thank you to everybody. Sometimes it feels like you're swimming against the tide, trudging through a snowdrift or traipsing through a rose bush. You have this good thing and everyone wants to destroy it and everything is slow and murky. You'll see so much support and positivity and all you can focus on is the negative. It feels like an endless political campaign. But if you're really lucky, some old guy with a beard and a loose shirt might someday be playing your game and with a slight nondescript smile he may ask, have you played this game? It's kind of okay, I think. And you'll awkwardly nod. That's when you'll know the true joy of game design. Because your game isn't the best game ever made, it's just a game. A game among thousands like it released in a single year or hundreds past. But it's your game, damn it. And someone out there in the cosmos is going to love it. And there's something deeply satisfying about all of this.